Welcome back to another episode of the Coffee Break Podcast. I am your host with the most, Lim. These are my brothers. Kiyama, Elvin. It's another beautiful week. We missed last week, I'm not going to lie. I kind of had, had to sit out. I was out, out of the game. DNP coach's decision. Mm. So this is a new week, you know, new energy. I'm okay. back. We have an amazing guest with us. Like one of the uh, up-and-coming <laughs> filmmakers of Toronto. I'm not going to lie. Like This is my cousin, Iman, everyone. Shout out to Iman. Thanks for coming to join us on the Coffee Break podcast. Very excited to be here today. We're pleased and we're, we're, we're happy to have you here. Um, we have a lot to get through, but I wanted to start off with a little bit of your story. Um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit of your background, where you're from, tell us about your childhood. Like, uh-huh. we want to know who Iman is. Okay. Iman, where do we start? Where do we start? St. Joe's Hospital? No. Um, <laughs> Are you actually St. Joe's? Yeah. Hey, me too. Gang. Gang. Okay. Um, our, yeah. parents, our parents only knew one hospital. I swear to God, they did. Because yeah. isn't everybody born there? All the Som- most All Somali ones. people, I guess, you know? Yeah, I guess, yeah. But um, yeah, I was born here in Toronto, mm-hmm. raised in Somalia. For like the next eight years, come back to Toronto. Mom's like, no, we can't stay here. We moved to Alberta for like maybe like another eight years. And then we come back to Toronto and we've been living here for the past seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me about Somalia. Like, what the, how, how, you can't just gloss over it. Right? Like, how did you get to Somalia? Like, how what, what, did, they actually, did they actually explain to you why you guys moved, born here, mm-hmm. and then moved to Somalia and then came back? Yeah, because my dad lives there. My dad works there. My dad's a doctor. So oh, he yeah. lives um, in Somalia. He's a gastroenterologist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he has his practice there. He has his hospital there. And yeah, we just lived there because it'd be easier, I guess, for both my parents. Yeah. So yeah. so from what age did you guys get there? And you said you were there for eight years? Yeah, seven to eight years. I'm pretty sure. Wait, my mistake. It was seven years. So what, when did you guys get there? Um, I think I was like one. Damn. And then we lived there until maybe like, to close to 2000. Do you remember living in Somalia actually? Of course I do. So what was it that was like? Like, like and this is years? like the 2000s, like the 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 early mid 2000s ish. Yeah. What was that like? Tell me about that. Like, honestly, what was life like in Somalia? Honestly, we because of the war going on, so we started school, and after like a year, the war started happening. Start happening. It's been happening, but like like around you. Yeah. Damn. So closer to our area. So then we moved, and then for like two years that followed. We just didn't go to school. We went to Duxi. We had our Ma'alin. That's so funny. Ma'alin Abdi. He had one arm and one leg. Shout out to Ma'alin Abdi. Yo. <laughs> Shout out to Ma'alin Abdi, man. <laughs> one arm, one leg? He was the most... Honestly, he was the scariest person I've ever met to this day. And he had one arm and one leg. Do you know how he got that way? Did they ever explain? Or, I guess. He is never explained it, it. Is it on one side, though? No, it was like one leg here and one arm here. Damn. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah, he was like so scary. Um, where was I? So yeah, you guys were in Duxie, you know, like so yeah. that was life, like it was no school. You guys moved transferred into full time Duxie. Yeah, full time like, Duxie. Uh, around what age would you say that was? I think that was like two thousand and five. I was like five years old. Right, right. Yeah. They're just little kids, eh? Yeah. Damn. So I just remember for like the next two years or a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two years. We were in Duxie and then we were just at home for the rest of the time. We were like in Duxie for several hours of our day. And then we kind of just lounged around for the rest of the time. It was great. It was really peaceful. There was no internet. Yeah. There was no like What TV. would you guys do for fun like as a kid? We just ran around the house. Like we literally just played with really? like the neighborhood kids mm-hmm. and just us. And then the boys, <laughs> we just annoy them. It was just very peaceful. And then so you guys, so you guys live in Somalia for eight or seven years and then you guys circle back this is like around like oh 
nine, yeah, like, 2010 ish, maybe even a little later. Back? Wait, sorry. When did you guys come back? Like, like two thousand eight. Eight. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. So that's kind of when we got reintroduced, right? Because like yeah. I okay, so a little context about our families. Uh, she has an older brother who's kind of closer to me in age, so we've always kind of known each other growing up and whatnot. But then they moved to Somalia, right? Yeah. So we had a distance for a long time. Yeah. But then they came back, and we were like, I guess like around that time, we were like in like middle school and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And when when I tell you they came back and did not know a lick of English, what? it was like we're Somalia speak- is my first language. The, these guys were like so fluent in Somalia. I was telling her on the way here, like it was kind of like we were in a TV show because I was such a kid. I only knew Somali in a broken way, yeah. right? So I'd be speaking to her brother in broken Somali and he'd be speaking to me back in broken English, but it was like a perfect unison, you know? <laughs> yeah. So as 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 they like kind of got like reacclimated into like Canadian, North American society, like they just kind of, well, at least for you specifically, like you kind of became very fluent in English real quick, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even hear your accent at all. I okay? don't, e- I didn't. <clears throat> did we have an accent yeah okay (laughs) you did you did okay because i don't remember having an accent yeah you were just a kid at the time but it's it's so interesting how you guys got so like quickly acclimated into society here yeah uh and then kind of just like flourished as time went on you know because like mashallah like i was saying before like you're um a progressive filmmaker you're aspiring to become a filmmaker Um, i've seen one of her movies which is insane like it was I very it in Somalia, you know? yeah she actually filmed it in somalia yeah. and it was very like breaking bad-esque style it was like <laughs> i loved every bit of it it's like biographies yeah. or is it it was kind of like like explain it a little bit it's called the blue man and the story behind it was just that i was there in somalia with my cousin so i think it was his final week he was telling me for the first three weeks that he was there um he was just bored like there's nobody close to his age and that he was just really really bored going from his phone to the couch on his phone in the living room and then his phone outside. He was just really bored the whole time. And it's not the easiest thing to go out and about. So he kind of just lounged around the house and he was really tired, like not tired. He was really bored and just like kind of depressed about it. So I was like, oh, blue, blue man. There you go. Oh, so she kind of made that into a piece, you know, and it came out. So it was like a, um, I would say it's kind of like a, um, a contemporary short film. Um, there's no audio. I mean, there's no uh, like talking, yeah, there, right? Dialogue. It was just a silent film. Yeah. But it was beautifully shot. It was like a very creative idea, and the fact that it was shot in Somalia just blew my mind. So, you know, more like I want to see more of that. Inshallah, coming Thank up because you. you're very talented. Before we move on, is that on YouTube? Oh yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube. You want to say oh, YouTube t- channel before we give us the shout? Yeah, we give yourself a shout, man. She's, a, she's <laughs> the model citizen. <clears throat> Wait, let me say that better. <clears throat> Excuse me. Iman the Model Citizen. That is the name of the YouTube channel. Iman the Model Citizen. Out. Go check her out, guys. She also makes dope <laughs> vlogs, too, which you may see me in an appearance in. Oh, yeah. The next one? You're so, going to be in it. You're the star. Hell, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's dope. Honestly, mashallah. Like, there, there's you. very few people you meet in Toronto that have a story like yours, you know? So it's pretty interesting to see somebody that actually, like, really got to see life in two different ways. Like, we were actually speaking to a sister on this couch who was from Senegal. Yeah, I saw the video. And mashallah, she was telling us about life over there and how she kind of like, you know, built a sort of sense of like society over there and then got brought back over here Mm -hmm. and then kind of had to rebuild uh, a sense of what society meant too. So she kind of gave us like the two differences um, of like, and it's it's also interesting that you both shared, spend time in Africa too, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, um, I feel like that part of you is going to always be unique. Mm-hmm. you know and and that's something that you should definitely hold on to some like with regard for sure absolutely so i love somalia i would go back again yeah like i just went back this past summer but i would go back again yeah 
Your, her mom's been trying to get me to go to Somalia. I'm like, this yeah, guy's been to Somalia. You've been there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. worst experience. Not like yours. I'm not gonna lie. Like, this guy, he had oh. a bumpy ride. I was there. not expecting that. No, why? I okay. Let me let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. I was 11. Okay. And I wouldn't say it's the worst worst experience. I I saw my family. I loved seeing them. They're great people. I was just really bored as a kid. I went from going out every day playing basketball, playing video games, to just being in my room. Yeah. You know. And it was 20 days of that. I remember counting the minutes. Mm-hmm. And for me personally, even though, you know, back then I didn't even have a phone. Imagine right now, yeah. I would I would be way bolder right now. But back then, mm-hmm. I was just strictly a YouTube guy, you know? Wow. But alhamdulillah, I do want to go back in the future, inshallah, mm-hmm. and see more of my family that I haven't had the opportunity to see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as of that experience, it wasn't that great. Fair <laughs> enough. Know, I'll just be honest. Fair enough. Right. I feel like as an adult male, it's just easier for you to get around. Well, uh, sure. Yeah. But then I mean, it's so easy to identify me. Back then, was, like, they knew I was up board, you know? Like, I, I came from the Western world. Mm-hmm. I think it's the way I dressed. I also came there with shorts. Shorts are a big no-no. Oh, really? You can't show them. Was it your knee showing? Yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I was so lucky. They said, hell no, eh? Dog, nobody wears shorts there. Nobody's always feet. Is, everything is covered up. That's you know? something yeah. I did not know till now. Wait, my waist, that's it. That's yeah, all you can know. Exactly. I had to, had to wear that moving forward. Yeah. Not even kids. No, no, no. You can't wear that. Damn. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just hilarious. Though. Give me a quick <laughs> one. They you when you oh, the another, <laughs> another <laughs> thing. It took me out of my element, the washroom. The washroom took me out of my element because the way the, the place that I was at mm-hmm. was uh, there was no toilet. It was more of a like the, oh. like, you know, like the whole place. It took you to Red Bad Deal, bro. Yeah. And then um, I remember my dad had to convince me to use that washroom. <laughs> I, I, I striked. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not shitting that one. I'm not shitting It was one of those you had a squat for Yeah, it? I'm not squatting. I'm not doing that. And then eventually, I don't think like day six, my stomach started hurting. I'm like, yo. I need to use that <laughs> dude now. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And then while everybody was asleep. You're like, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do a villain, Like a villain in a cartoon. Tippy toed over. Damn. <laughs> Did my squad? Yeah. Nobody do anything. Quick time. Clean that up real clean quick. Up, no one saw nothing. Well, I'm still holding on if, as long Don't as they know. That's crazy, man. Okay. I mean, not, yeah. not so much of a destination. I feel like no. it's probably different now, though. You know what they I'm, got? I'm sure it is. You know what they got? They got the little, um, I forgot what it's called. EV, something like that. It's like you send money via phone, phone numbers. Oh, I don't know if you guys heard of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's no cash. Oh, like an no e-transfer cash. type of thing, right? Kind like of, yeah. It's kind of like e-transfer, but That's you dope. literally send it via like phone number. There's a Somalia's code. Somalia's advancing, man. Number. Yeah. And then a price. Somalia is low-key advancing, man. Like they got yeah. their own KFC now. Do they? What? Yeah. That I didn't know. They have a KFC crazy. in that. I get where? I don't know. Somewhere. I saw it on TikTok. And it's, it, <laughs> exists. <laughs> That's crazy. it exists. That could be fake. What is a store that says KFC? It looks like Somalia, fam. You can't fake that. You know those ones? <laughs> yeah. No, but that's dope. Honestly, uh, Iman, Wallahi, like, like I was saying, it's, it's, it's very interesting to meet somebody who's been through such a, a unique, interesting childhood, right? So like talk, to, talk about or speak on some of your goals in life like as you, as you progress. You know, you, you're also in school, right? Like, do you want to mention what you're studying? Um, I'm is, in, that, is that a sensitive topic? A sensitive topic. <laughs> well, I'm counting down the days until I graduate. Reminding me, you're graduating, right? Yeah. Right now? Yeah. This year? Yeah. I remember that. Um, inshallah, I graduate this year. Um, studying media studies right now. Dope. And hopefully, I can, my goal right now, secure a job. Secure an internship and then a job. Great. Inshallah. Inshallah. No, you'll get there, man. For sure. I mean, like I was saying, like, I'm really, I'm really proud of what you've done. Even just, just up until now, you're in school. Um, kind of pursuing uh, the creative world. Um, Thank you. As somebody who's also in the creative world too, like it's always interesting to see. And and since we're close in, in terms of like family, it's always 
it's always refreshing to see this runs runs deep you know so yeah thank so you so that that that's amazing man but thank you oh you know, also working on a another film i forgot to mention me my friend and two other people that my friend knows we're working on a new film we don't have this script down yet we're currently working on the script but um it should we're trying to aim to submit it to a festival sometime in the next hey. couple of months inshallah hey. it works inshallah, inshallah. okay you want to speak about a little bit what it is or not yet we're still working it out like the kinks of it or like the main um themes the overarching themes of promise but basically it's about a guy he's trying to find himself he's lost in like a hazy type of like dream he's a little lost and he kind of gets lost in like this world like in in just in life i think and it's kind of like a little coming of like at like a early adulthood coming of age i guess you could call it dope, dope. Mm-hmm. short film right Mm-hmm, short okay. film. Okay, I'll keep an eye out. Inshallah, one day we'll have the budget for a feature film. <laughs> right. Man, the model citizen, guys. Thanks. Right. Thank right? you. Dope. That's what's up. Um. Okay. So I want to switch gears a little bit. It's been a very news-filled past couple of past two weeks, I would say. Mm-hmm. Right. Um. And I don't know if you guys know our favorite podcast, aside from us, the Club Shay Shay podcast. <laughs> Club Shay Shay. They had some new tea for us. <laughs> Well, I shouldn't even say T. It's more just like uh, somebody speaking their truth. But Monique was on there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it, but uh, Monique is a, an, an American comedian. And she has been in the game for, I'd say, a little over 20 years now. Yeah. Um, she got her come up on the Parkers, if I'm not mistaken. That's and, what she had main exposure. Of. Yeah, she was right. doing some stuff before that year. Right. She mentioned that she got her first come up after moving to Los Angeles for three months. She was given her own show, her own sitcom. Uh, she ran with that. She, the ball started rolling for her. She eventually got more successful into comedy, stand-up comedy specifically, and she landed a role or she landed a position on the Queens of Comedy alongside the Kings of Comedy, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which kind of broke her into a different atmosphere in entertainment, which then led her to um, get into the movie industry. Uh, she began doing s- some small roles in the beginning. And then she eventually landed on the role that got her her first Oscar um, winning award. And she was uh, nominated for Best Supporting Actress, if I'm not mistaken, for Precious, the movie Precious. Did you guys watch Precious? I did. You watched it? Yeah. I've never seen the movie, but obviously I, I kind of know like the premise and a little bit about like the, the plot itself. But the, is she, is she, is she oh, wor- she's great. Oscar worthy? Oscar worthy. Okay. Like the way that I know she, I was in the interview, you'll talk about it later, but. Mm-hmm. She was saying how a lot of that stuff was just spontaneous. Really? It didn't really create a script for her. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff really just came from her heart. Yeah. So the fact that she basically freestyled an Oscar-worthy <laughs> type of thing, that's, that's incredible. That's fire. I'm not going to lie. And, and shout out to her, too, because like the versatility that that woman has in acting, Max. from going from Nikki Parker on The Parkers to uh, an Oscar-winning performance in a drama yeah. is insane. Mm-hmm. So shout out, shout out to Monique's talent, just, just off the bat. You know, uh, she's definitely... Uh, a woman in the black community that's definitely led the way or like you know started a path for the next generation uh, of black comedians or just black actresses in general to come up right so she was on the shannon sharp podcast club shay shay and she was grieving out her she was airing out her grievances right with a lot of people it all it started mainly with her issues with tyler perry and oprah right initially she was offered the role on Precious as an independent film and her salary was $50,000, right? This is what she said on the podcast. She also, um, there was no uh, addition of any executive producers in Hollywood. The film wasn't bought by a major 
um, uh, production company yet, yeah. right? So it was just an independent film. She saw the script. Her and her husband, who's also her manager, read the script and thought, honestly, this is perfect for her. Let's pursue this. Let's do this as best as we can. Uh, midway into the production of that film coming about, Tyler Perry and Oprah were picked up as executive producers and Lionsgate, the production company, picked up the film as like a major film for them to uh, promote, right? In the midst of that, she was still given $50,000 as her salary mm -hmm. and her obligations were to shoot the film and promote it in North America, right? All good, all gravy. They had a good time, apparently. Um, the, the, once the film was shot, it started to do well in the box office when it came out and it eventually turned into a much bigger film than it once was intended to be, yeah. right? So from Monique's side of the story, she says that at the time in which they realized that the movie was bigger than it was going to be, they formed a plan to do a European promotional tour, right? After their North American tour <coughs> promoting had already completed. Yeah. Um, they went on, they, they being Lionsgate, the production company that was in charge of the film, went on to ask Monique and her husband, who's also her manager, if she would be participating in the European version or the European leg of their promotional tour for Precious. She, she declined. She said, no, I'm going to stay at home. I want to be with my family. I've worked enough. I've done my duties. I'm going to pass on this opportunity. Mm -hmm. Cool. They hung up the phone. It was all good. A couple of days goes by and the company Lionsgate calls her back and says, hey, we'd really appreciate it. Kind of kind of nudging her to do it. Uh, if you were to come on this European tour to promote this film, she says no again. Respectfully, they hang up the phone. She then gets a call from Oprah Winfrey. Right. And Oprah Winfrey is an executive producer on this movie. And she's now trying to explain to her the reasons why. She should go on this European tour. It would yeah. help her promotion. Uh, the movie's going to do a lot more. Help her in her actual career too. Um, like with the whole um, traction that the movie's been getting. Uh, she still declined that offer. She hung up the phone. It was good. Tyler Perry calls her. Same thing. Hey, can you come on the... Uh, your no, I'm not going to do it, she says. And I guess things got a little south with Tyler Perry. And something... I guess Tyler Perry broke out a rumor saying that she was diff she was being difficult to work with, yeah. right? And that rumor circled circled its way back to Monique, uh -huh. and Monique was able to address this with Tyler Perry over the phone. She said, "Hey, why did why are people telling me that you're saying that I'm difficult to work with, uh -huh. knowing that I gave you my reasons why I don't want to do this European tour?" He says, allegedly, he said that yes. Well, actually, the, the the phone call actually leaked. I found out after. Yeah. There's a video. Yeah, uh, there's there's audio. Out. There's audio of Tyler yeah. Perry saying, "Yes, I started a rumor of you being difficult. I was wrong for that. I apologize." Right. Mm -hmm. This instance of all this happening mm -hmm. led Monique to lose pretty much everything in, for the rest of her career. She was not. She was nominated and won the Oscar. Um, she was supposed to get on bigger roles. Uh, she was supposed to make a lot more money in the in the upcoming months, but. Uh, initially, she was blackballed because of her decision to not do any promotion. Yeah. Um, and it led her to lose allegedly tens of millions of dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So she went on the Shannon Sharp podcast. She was talking about this in great depth. And she also mentioned that Kevin Hart had something to do with it, too. I guess Kevin Hart, um, if I'm not mistaken, he, at the time that that was happening to her when she was getting blackballed from all these movie roles and whatnot, he reached out to her or she reached out to him. I'm not sure how it happened. Um, but he was very supportive of her. He even wrote her a check because she was, you know, financially down. Yeah, I recall. 
And he was able to help her financially, support her, get her back on her feet. And he also mentioned to her that he was willing to executive produce or be a supporter in whatever she was going to no, be a part of. No, first he said that he's going to call, uh, he doesn't know Oprah, mm-hmm. but he's going to call Tyler Perry. Right, right. Mm-hmm. On sorry. her behalf. Right, right. So and he that, said, yeah. at first he also, he, sorry, but he also said that he was going to reach out to Tyler Perry on her behalf mm-hmm. and settle things with with her and Tyler Perry, mm-hmm. which he did, if I'm not mistaken. No, he he came back, I think she said a week later, mm-hmm. and he said Tyler Perry, like, he, she said Stephanie Mills tried first, mm-hmm. who's, if no one knows, she's a singer. She tried first, and then he said, I don't want to like, revisit this. Kevin Hart said, Kevin Hart tried. Then he said, oh, I don't want to revisit this. And then Kevin Hart came back and said, okay, I'll forget that. Let's move on. I'll executive produce your you're right. project. Yeah, You're right. You're right. You're right. Thanks for that. He was trying to get past the whole Tyler Perry thing. So he said to her, kind of like to, to, to kind of sympathize with her, I'll mm. executive producer, anything you want to be in, uh, any film feature or yeah. production that you want to start, I'll, I'll put my stamp on it for you, you mm-hmm. know, as like a, a sign of like, you know, just like helping her out. You yeah. Know? yeah. Um, so she says, okay, she takes him very seriously at that. And she calls back a production company that she was in negotiations with for mm-hmm. an upcoming film and says to them, Kevin Hart is now attached to this film. They're great about it. They're ecstatic and everyone's great. Yeah. Uh, allegedly, according to Monique, she says that Kevin's Hart people called back that studio or the production company that she was working with at the time called Kevin Hart's people. And they said that Kevin Hart wants nothing to do with Monique. Mm-hmm. So there's a complete backstab, right? And, and this called- is, sorry, this is not just <coughs> some assistant. This is Dave Becky that he's a well-known comedian manager that's in the industry that it's not like somebody like you'll take that seriously when that person right. calls. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know that part, but that's that's good yeah. information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Monique obviously is frustrated and kind of confused at why is this is why she's hearing this when she just spoke to Kevin Hart personally so, and, and heard otherwise. So she calls him and he says, don't worry, Monique, I'm going to handle it right now. I'm going to call you back on Tuesday. Never calls her back ever again. Yeah, she said it's been like two years. It's been like two years, apparently, right? So this woman has been getting nonstop backstab, shat on by the industry, by people who are just like her too, black people in the industry too. Also um, a, a very notable fact in this. And she is completely just telling her story as it is. Um, and people, there, I've seen a lot of comments or feedback from Monique's um, opening up on Club Shay Shay with people shitting on her. A lot of people hating on her husband specifically for getting involved in her affairs, even though he's her manager and my understanding what frustration is. Yeah. Um, and there's another split side of the community that's also very supportive of her. That's saying this, this woman has been suffering right in front of us for all these years and she's mm-hmm. finally able to tell us her side of the story. What should we do about that? Right. So very interesting conversation she had. I want to yeah. I want to know what your guys opinions about it is. Um, and yeah, tell me, tell me what you guys think. Does, do you think Monique has been getting her ass like blackballed this entire time? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like going back to it, I think this is just more like they're pepper, they're perpetuating stereotypes. Okay. One of the worst things that a black woman can be labeled as is difficult to work with. Mm-hmm. Once you have that label, no nobody wants to work with you. Why do you think that is? I don't know. It just it just goes back to like the stereotypical what a black woman is. Like black women are aggressive. Black women are 
difficult to work with black women are mean you know mm -hmm. like all of this and then when you put that on to somebody who already has like an established established like character in in like the industry that everybody kind of gravitates away from that the, a perfect example of that is at vivian from uh, uh fresh prince mm -hmm. Like remember when she was fired? The and, black and Viv. Yeah. yeah. And then when well, they're both black. when I, I think it was Will Smith that kind of made that. I could mm -hmm. be wrong, but he was yeah. the one who gave her that label of being difficult to work with. Right. Nobody heard of her for twenty years. Mm -hmm. sure. Now going to another perfect example of that is Monique. Mm -hmm. Monique was somebody who was super successful. She's a comedian, she's an actress, and she basically perfect in her and what she does as a like as a professional right mm -hmm. but the second she was labeled that it, every one of her credentials was removed right all people seen was a black woman that was difficult to work with and every industry every like company was like i'm not trying to work with you because right. if you're difficult you're going to make things difficult for me right mm -hmm. and to be frank i think this i'm so happy that she had the opportunity to speak on this was because now that the world is seeing that the people around her were the ones who put this label on her, she has the opportunity to speak her truth. And you know what the thing that sucks the most too, man? It was the fact that it was her own black people who did that to her. Okay. It wasn't even like a, like a white person that did that or another person of color. It was her own people putting on her the stereotype of being a black woman, mm -hmm. you know? I think that's what's disgusting. More than anything, like the fact that people backstabbed her, the fact that people lowballed her, the fact that opportunities were taken from her, the fact that millions of dollars were taken out of her pocket. Essentially, yeah. It was her own people that were her demise, you right. know? So I just think, although she did say a lot of stuff that I don't personally agree with, you know, the fact that she was able to finally speak on, the, on her behalf after not having the opportunity to do so, nobody wanted to even bring her on a podcast. Club Chasey was the guy who did it, you know? Yeah. Simon Sharp was the guy. Mm -hmm. The fact that now she has an opportunity to speak on it, I'm glad. And it gives her an opportunity to say what's really on her mind that nobody gave her the opportunity to speak on. Right. You know, that's my opinion. No, but interesting. People still had a problem with her. I think a lot of people I've seen comments about why did she talk about Kevin Hart and he gave her money. And I like that she gave him credit first. And then she said, oh, he didn't pick up a phone for me for two years. Because we can't have this conversation and I can't ha let you know how much this shit hurt me that you just turned your back on me and we haven't had contact apparently i was watching some podcast reaction they're saying this is a thing in hollywood and, and music where they said oh let's let's work and then that doesn't mean something real that just means oh like i see you mm -hmm. okay this is something we can say just to get moving on from this like awkward moment mm -hmm. it's like someone saying oh i'll call you and then right. never end up calling them. Mm -hmm. Or we'll, we'll have lunch. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's, there's, there's no, no lunch. lunch. They yeah. don't even intend to have lunch. They're just saying it. Exactly. But yeah. people in reality, when we, when we say certain things, we stand on what we mean. And we, like, it was like the thing we talked about last, or a couple of weeks ago, but the girl saying, I'm going to pay. And then she had a bad reaction about, oh, like actually I'm yeah. the guy took her out of work. Yeah. Stand on business. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that she, I've always had a little thing about Oprah ever since that Harvey Weinstein thing where the, those pictures came out of her holding on to him. I think, and then she had this whole reaction about um, Russell Simmons, even though I don't know what the allegations were against him. Okay. It's a guy that uh, came up, founded Def Jam. Is it Rev Run? No. Yeah. Rev Run? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she had this big reaction against him and his allegations, but then these pictures came out of her and Harvey Weinstein. 
around the same time. So I've always had a little thing about her. Uh, Tyler Perry and DL were the, the shocking ones in that interview to me, where like the moments they had together. But no, I like that finally she just told her side of it. She get the avenue to tell her side of it because a few years ago we weren't listening to her. Yeah. But then Cat Williams, the fact that Cat Williams came and sat down and exposed everything and then gave her the avenue of coming to share her piece yeah. and saying that, look, this is what I was talking about a few years ago, but people weren't listening to me. And now guys like Charlemagne are apologizing that he said, I shouldn't mind my business. I shouldn't have shat on your moment because mm-hmm. you were speaking your truth. But, and I think that was a big point you made earlier though, that it was one of her own people that she has worked with that put this message out. Cause it would have been one thing. Hollywood's a racist place. People know. So it would have been one thing if someone else said it and said, Oh, Oprah's different. I mean, Monique's difficult to work with. But okay. But it's Tyler Perry, a big black, what's it called, mogul in yeah. that in the black industry, especially, saying that oh she diff- that means oh people had got to take this seriously, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought that was um really interesting point that you made, but also I want to talk about what you were saying about um well both of you guys were saying about Hollywood and how it's like a you know racist place, mm-hmm. some misogynistic place, but about the fact that it was Tyler Perry like who kind of made um paved the way for black people and for particularly a lot of his films are centered around black female characters and their stories and to see that he's doing this he went on um he took it on himself to blackball this black actress and especially after the fact that you know she's so well decorated and so well loved in the black community is really shocking to hear and then to see on top of that like again somebody so loved and supported in the black community especially like oprah to see that she, um, I don't know if you guys remember in the video, she was talking about how, I mean, this is like a side note, but she was talking about how um, um, she invited Monique's brother. Yeah. Who, that was, that was, that was yeah. crazy. Who crazy. molested her yeah. onto yeah. her show and Why? then invited, continued to invite her mother and her other brother into mm-hmm. the podcast, into, mm-hmm. no, into the mm-hmm. talk the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a crazy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And you were saying like about her, She's ever you've looked at her weird ever since you found out that she was the Harvey Weinstein, like besties with Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, yeah. And then, did you guys see the, her on the list of the um, Epstein Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got a lot of dirt on her name, yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah. But um, it's just really sad to see. Honestly, you guys said um a lot of the points that I wanted to make about you know her being so well decorated. She's a Golden Globe, Oscar, multi, m- multiple um, NAACP awards. Yeah. And to see that, that just the fact that she's quote unquote difficult to work with, just a rumor can derail her entire like trajectory of her career. Yeah, it took precedent it's over so all the accolades. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the accolades she has, it just one thing, one voice yeah. took precedent. Mm-hmm. The right. And, you know, the right yeah. yeah. He is like, he, him and Oprah are superpowers in the black world, you know? They are one of our few bi- black billionaires. But should they be? Should they be? They want to. Okay. Is it Oprah specifically? Okay. I I, I want to spe- specifically stay on Oprah. Okay. Her come. I don't know too much too much about Oprah, but I know a little bit of her backstory is that she was also a victim of yeah. you know yeah, uh, yeah, molestation mm-hmm. when she was younger, right? Yeah. And she has a lot of trauma, and she came up in an industry where she was a clear visual visual minority. Yeah. And she was taken advantage of financially even to the point where she 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 was threatening to quit her show 
And then they, well, she was on a show with another black, uh, white guy as her co-host. And he was making like 10 times more money than her. Mm-hmm. She threatened to quit. And she made this whole like women's movement, black women's movement in the 80s. It's like, yeah. she's such a, a person who has such a relatable story to a lot of these women in Hollywood that yeah. it's so shocking to see her kind of flip her entire personality for the negative you know mm-hmm. like she there's been so many instances of, of of oprah winfrey just doing the most on her shows i don't know if you ever see these clips going around with like oprah winfrey's show where she has like these like kkk people well, like like she, she used to do anything and everything for views on her show oh. and it's it's snowball i feel like it's snowballed to effect where she got so desensitized with the regular society mm-hmm. yeah. that she started to see herself in some kind of like god complex where i can do and say whatever i want that's the people lo- are gonna love yeah that's what monique was kind of saying is the fact that she was comparing um uh, not comparing but she was looking at taraji p henson's situation where she was also allegedly given a um for the color purple she was because she again she's also very well decorated very successful mm-hmm. actress she was offered this role and i don't know what the like how how she ended up taking it but she was talking about it publicly like she what she is constantly working so hard and she's constantly like getting told that she deserves less than yeah she, she was, she was complaining it. about being underpaid yeah, yeah. especially on the, she was working with oprah on the color purple that movie right mm-hmm. so for her to come on like there's so much instances of oprah's disingenuousness or just her personality showing that she's really not who she seems or she makes it seem she is mm-hmm. and i feel like that should be more that should be more studied in public you know people should be more aware of how nasty and evil yeah. these people are people are becoming more and more aware of it like slowly as time goes by because like more and more information more and more people are coming out and feeling more comfortable especially like thanks to what's the name shannon sharp mm-hmm um now monique actually has a platform to actually voice um her truth like you were saying and she's actually able to say these things and people are actually finally like giving her an opportunity because he let, brought her onto this platform to really speak her truth right. and encourage her to speak her truth it's insane man. i did I, I i can confidently say that i had no idea monique's story before she was on the, this episode i had, of the a, had an interview with steve harvey back in the day when steve harvey i didn't watch that until after i watched uh the shannon sharp interview yeah. and i completely i I see myself as one of those people that were very ignorant to her story. And I thought that there was some portion of her being like a little difficult, angry, right? you know, a little yeah. angry, you know, like so, yeah. to, to some, to some degree, what Tyler Perry was saying translated to me, yeah. you know? So it's like, that's the gravity of which she was dealing with, like the effects of someone's voice that Dark. powerful. And it's very shocking and it's very sad, but like to circle back to what we were talking about in the Cat Williams interview, I think whistleblowers are necessary yeah. in, in entertainment. Like, that's a needed thing. More people should have the courage to be a whistleblower when at least they've had some wrong done to them, mm-hmm. you know, to, to avoid this happening. Because we're in the information era, right? Mm-hmm. You can translate your information if you have a voice. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people should just a little be a little bit more courageous, you know? Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a scummy industry to be in. Yeah, it's, but a, it's also an industry where you can, just like somebody saying you're difficult to work with can just destroy your whole career. That's true. So it's really hard, but I agree with you. Whistleblowers are absolutely necessary. And right. I feel like if, you know, Cat Williams and then Monique and more and more people are going to feel a little bit more comfortable coming mm-hmm. out in the open about, you know, for example, like how much they're making or, you know, the fact that this director coerced them into doing X, Y, and Z. Like it's kind of like the Me Too effect, I guess. Right, right, right. I just feel like once you've been done wrong, it's almost, it's almost more shameful to stay quiet. You know, rather than to say, speak up and yeah. tell your truth. Fuck. See, basically, how I see it is, she went through all of this. 
And she kind of helping the new generation of women who come that look like her kind of not have to go through these things again. Right. Mm -hmm. Because the worst thing that you could be labeled is difficult mm -hmm. when you are one of the most decorated actresses of like our generation, you know? Yeah. And just because of one person saying one thing to you, it really diminishes all of that, all the value that you brought, all the things that you've accomplished with one little thing that was said, you're nothing. And you know, I, I thought about it myself. Like when I navigate the corporate world, I never want to be like all those stereotypes associated with a black man, you know, like that angry, that, um, like that, that mean person, like, but to the point where she had to face it on a level of scrutiny on everybody was looking at, you know, for me, it was just like a little company for her. Everybody's looking at her, everybody's saying these things to her. And she always had to navigate these spaces on her best like behavior. Right. Yeah. Imagine all eyes looking at you, all people thinking you're the worst. And now you finally have the opportunity to speak. So I'm, that's why Club CC, man, I'm really glad that he has the space where people feel comfortable to the point that you made. And uh, it gave her the space to talk about what she always wanted to get off her chest. You know? Well, mm -hmm. they, I didn't... She can't expect them to compensate her, though. That's the one thing that was just out of reach. Like She kept on asking, oh, how is Tyler Perry going to... The freaking thing sounds like a mockingbird, John Sharper, and saying, oh, how are you going to compensate? She's not. He, they're not going to write checks for her. Like, trying to... Um, compensate her in what which she was asking they're asking since Tyler Perry put that word out mm -hmm. how are you going to compensate her for all the money she lost oh and that part uh, so that's out of reach no one's going to write you a check and that's like the the one thing I, I heard another podcast say is that she's Cat Williams is traveling and he seemed like he's in a higher power like he's talking from somewhere of, I'm doing all these shows already and I don't need nothing for nobody that's why I'm exposing it and then they were talking about how she was in a, a position of pain that, oh, like I need assistance, which I didn't take it that way. But still, that compensation part was just is a bit much. You know, to your point, I have a question for you guys. What's up? How do I frame this? How much of, okay, let's say hypothetically, if you're wronged, right, mm -hmm. yeah. by someone else, yeah. how much responsibility do you see in telling your story? And how much does, or how much do you put, how much weight do you put on cutting your losses, you know, when you can't? What do you mean? Like, when I, what I mean by cutting your losses is, like, I can't fight this fight any further. Let me just not put any more energy in this. Like, how do you get to that point? You know, funny enough, I was talking about this with my sister yesterday, where, where it was more along the lines of, what do you do when people wrong you? And how do you react to that, Right. And her response was like, I take, I have to think about it. I take it personally. I have to kind of put my thoughts together. And my thing was like, the reason why when people wrong me, it doesn't really affect me that much other than of course, just being angry on the spot, but quickly I, I get over it. It's because I don't really have that much hope in people in the first place. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like I don't, I don't place okay. that much like trust in people at all. So when I'm wronged in the first place, I already kind of expected that at first, you know? Mm. I don't know if maybe that's just the healing that I have to do. But in terms of being wronged, I kind of already anticipated that in the equation, you know? And I already figured out if that's how it's going to be, that's how I'm going to react. I don't necessarily, I get what you're saying. Yeah. And you, you have a valid point. I don't necessarily see it as like, I expect people. I don't to expect be that people, but I, I expect outcomes. Like I think about everything that could happen. But I just attribute myself, like I attribute that to that being a part of life. You know, like if something happens where I was 
I ended up on the short end of the stick. Yeah. And I, I look at it like being mad at you is not going to fix it. That's just what happened in my life. This True. is a part of yeah. my life, you know? So I'm just navigating this part of my life. That's kind of mm -hmm. how I see it. It's just a part of life. Yeah, no, no. Are you saying like anger, when something like that shouldn't happen, you shouldn't be angry, but you yeah. should just work through your emotions and figure right. out how... No, I agree with that. I think anger is uh, a very empty emotion. It doesn't really solve anything uh, to that point. Like uh, the way that you need to solve through it is actually sitting down, seeing what you could have done better. But to the point that I made earlier, I don't, even, like, I, I don't equate anger to any of that as well. Like for me is I expected that to happen. Mm -hmm. If that's the outcome, that's going to be this how I'm going to go. You know, wouldn't that hurt your good relationships with people though? Yeah, I cut people off easily. No, I mean like if you really <laughs> fuck with somebody, are yeah. you thinking in the back of your mind, you could still be a dick? I think it's a little different when it's somebody that I really like though. Like if Mokhtar wronged me, I, be I would feel, I would I feel some type <laughs> of way. I would feel some type of way. Look how wrong you are. I'd be looking at life differently. Like, <laughs> anything's possible. Like, there's a few people that if they wrong me, yeah. I would have to be like, wow, I'll take a couple steps back. How how did I not see this coming? Because right. if Mukta, if you were snaking me for the past 20 years, <laughs> he's the greatest job I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm spotting. I'm just waiting for that one thing to come out. <laughs> Yo, he got a new car. <laughs> no, but for 99% of people, that's why I don't really associate anger with them. It's because I don't really, I never really had high hopes in you in the first place, you know? So how do you proceed with that then? Do you just go back to like business as usual? Yeah. Do you, like, you cut them off cold? I don't, like, it really depends on the level of relationship we had. Mm -hmm. If it was these guys, mm -hmm. I would have to have a conversation with them. Yeah. Like, yo, why, why'd you do me wrong? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? But if it was 99% of people, I have so many barriers up that I don't even let it get to that point. I'll be like, it'd be like normal. Like, oh, yo, this happened. I'll be like, all right, see you tomorrow. You know? Like, it wouldn't even be a conversation worth bringing up because you're not relevant enough in my life to have that conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's the executive for me. Yeah, that's the producer. I just came out. No, 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 honestly, really? I feel like associating so much emotion to so many people mm -hmm. is a lot of, like, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Like, I'd rather have a knit community and, like, put 100% into that than put it 100% into random people who are not really that immediate in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. A little mm -hmm. harsh. I don't care. <laughs> I respect oh. it. See, now I know how to approach when I'm. Yeah, don't wrong I'm, me, though. I'll tell you right now. I, I know what the obvious <laughs> thing <laughs> Yeah, I guess the question in this situation, the context applies to somebody who would be close enough to you. Like, I guess Monique and her relationship to Tyler Perry and like Not Oprah right? and they're yeah. being close enough to, you know, have um, worked on several different projects together, I assume. Mm -hmm. And like um, executive produce different projects together. So I guess like with somebody that you really do trust. How do you proceed? I would like for that particular, like if it was one of these guys, mm -hmm. I would literally have to have a sit down with them. Yeah. And ask them what what went wrong. Did I, what was my part in it? If I wronged you, let me know. I want to see both angles because at that moment, all I know is my side. All I know is my, that Mukhtar wronged me. You know, yeah. I want to know why he got to that decision. If he even sees it that way in the first place, how we can av avoid this type of thing in the future? Because that's not a relationship that I want to cut off. You know, mm -hmm. I think what uh monique did although that she was wronged from our perspective and from what she shared i don't think she had the opportunity to see it from their angle and although she painted them as a villain sometimes there's ways or there's methods as to why somebody became like that right yeah like you have to know why oprah did that was it even oprah in the first place was it her people that said that like you have to associate all those elements as to that because right now all, all she knows is that these people wronged me but why did why do you why do you think that happened? There's other elements in it 
I think that she, she didn't really yeah. consider, in my opinion, I, at least. I think um, I can't I can't exactly remember, but I remember she was going on about like the reasons why is because they're kind of big enough to do it, and they're kind of big enough to have that kind of leverage, and the fact that just from my understanding, I could be wrong. She could she. I assume that, and my understanding is that she believed that they had enough pull and leverage to kind of convince her to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. But she said no, and they had a really big problem with that. And that's why she consistently said no to them. And that's why they had a problem with her labeling her difficult. Because on the flip side, too, like from, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here, they're just asking her to get on a plane. Yeah. Get on a plane, go to France, stay in the hotel. But you're not getting paid for that, though. Is she getting paid for that? No. In the long run, she is. Like in like just playing devil's advocate. Yeah. She's going to. She's definitely going to gain from this. But at she, the same time, yeah. Go sorry, ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say she gave an explanation. She said, "I want to be with my family, my kids." Right. I don't know oh. what at that point. Like, is she, she's done the movie. This is like after, way after the movie, and they're asking her to do even more work well after the movie's been like you know out. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely overtime. Yeah. It's unpaid overtime. But at the same time, it's like oh, it's yeah. incentivizing her. Like she, they're get, they're incentivizing her with the success that can come from it. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you're you gonna. Think? They're like, because yeah. t- she was mentioning that Tyler Perry told her your next movie is gonna be three million dollars. You know, and she she just got paid fifty racks. Yeah. For the 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 movie she won an Oscar with, mm-hmm. so they're yeah. trying to incentivize her with like your future is gonna be affected by this if you don't do it. Or that your sounds future, like a threat. It's more like a. <laughs> It's more like Maybe she took it that way. It's more said. like it's if really if you realistically look at it, it's more like a figurehead puppeteering somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like dance for me, you know, yeah. when I tell you to go ahead, do this. I want you to do this. And if you don't, here's your whole life and dreams that you wanted to have gone, wiped away, yeah. which yeah. they did mm-hmm. successfully. Right. Mm-hmm. But she's still out here. She's still talking about what happened and shit. And people are coming in come they're coming to their senses about these people that are in charge, especially mm-hmm. Oprah Winfrey, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tyler Perry too, like. Why are you wearing a dress, nigga? <laughs> Real talk. You, you can't tell him. But we all watched it, though. You can't like, we all watched it at the same yeah, time. Just, he has a whole plot of land. They, they shoot Marvel, Marvel movies on I don't understand right now. it. <laughs> I don't understand it at all. Like, you, know, you know, my mind with Tyler Perry changed a little when we had um, Fatima on the show recently. Because she was saying how um, this is what he portrayed a black woman to look like. Yeah. All the stereotypes yeah. of what a Let's black get into woman it. is, right? And now that like when people see black women on the street they're like oh this is how they associate black women to be right so he actually in my opinion ruined a generation of what how women should be perceived i'll do you, you know? one even better and he did that while becoming a billionaire he, he <laughs> one even better. A- <laughs> 101 <laughs> i don't know if you've seen uh shannon sharp and Ka- and um mike epps been beefing this week i did see that yeah he it called- all started because mike epps called him medea he was like, you look that's like Medea. That was funny, though. That's I mean, like, that's, 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 that, that's a shot. That's literally an insult yeah. created by the black community for the black community. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a terrible insult. If, you call, if a nigga calls you Medea, bro, we're squaring up, right? It, we're squaring up. He can square up, but that's funny. If somebody <laughs> calls you that, you're laughing at it? We're not in the same room, though. <laughs> so I could, if they were face to face. No, the problem was he called them gay. Huh? He called them gay. I didn't he see all that. I just seen the Medea part. He, yeah, he was going on. Just seen the Medea part. Yeah, but regardless, I mean, I, this is a a black man perpetuating a stereotype for our community, mm-hmm. a negative stereotype, and yeah. benefiting it, benefiting off of it tremendously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's something to discuss in the black community. Like, why are we shedding light on this man? 
Why is the black? Because I feel like at first it seemed like he was telling like an authentic story from, you know, the perspective of struggling black women. But then after movie after movie of seeing like the same same shit. Yep. It kind of gets tired and it gets exhausting seeing black women portrayed in the same ways. Like, can we have some diversity? There's so many different types of black stories and black female stories. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah, it's exhausting. It's always a broken love story. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, there's always a bald guy there's, somewhere there's two t- black movies I despise it's the slave movies <laughs> yeah. I've seen enough of those you're not trying to see anymore and the other you one like is Django? I did like it that was a good one that was because Leonardo DiCaprio was in it Jamie Foxx yeah, <laughs> the, the level of acting in that was a little different Elite, okay? right? <laughs> Quentin Tarantino yeah we talk about the fact that it was Quentin Tarantino yeah it's actually oh. isn't it isn't that a little? Remember, Leo had to be coached to say the N word. Did he yeah. actually? Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he I was feel like, I don't feel comfortable. Jamie was like, "Look at me, like I'm a." Pretty sure they broke the record for the most N words in a in a, in a movie. Is that actually for real? Yeah, pretty sure, yeah. At the time, at least. Scorsese and Tarantino, they have they have a running count. On yeah, the, they're up there. The who, they had who? fun. Scorsese. Who in Tarantino? Scorsese. Scorsese. Yeah. Damn. I, I mean, those Italian gangster movies, like they have a running count on how much times they say. Damn. Those are the two types of movies. You're Actually, I can't, no I can't do it. I can't do it. The I slave need, movies. Like, that's why when we had like, um, what you call it, Black Panther, I was happy, you know? Yeah, Even though it wasn't a great of a movie, yeah. Yeah. it was refreshing because it was a strong black man protecting mm-hmm. his country, right? right? Yeah. But then two minutes later, we got another slave movie. It's like, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, man. What's the next slave movie? I'm uh, yeah. just joking. I don't know. Oh. But it's just, that's the type of black movies that go viral, you know? Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I, agree. I agree. It is weird. We're in a I weird space. Yeah, I should be like, I feel like that should be an uh, incentive for them to start making more, you know, movies about diverse diversity in the stories of about black people. Yeah, yeah they're all that's over the place. It's just crazy. Mercy. That's why Jamie Foxx should have won an Oscar for that. I don't know if you guys seen that movie. It's from I think like 2019, where Michael B. Jordan was playing a lawyer, and this is based on a true guy yeah. that was helping uh, black people down south come out of jail, and he was the powerful portrayals of Jamie Foxx and Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx was. His character was wrongfully imprisoned. Just randomly, they pulled, they stopped him. There's something going on in the street. He stopped. They pulled him out of his car and arrested him. And then Michael B. Jordan played his lawyer. And that was powerful. That's Jamie Foxx. That's when I said, I haven't seen too much of his movies, but I sort of said, yeah, this guy's something else. But and comedians in general, they have this way about them that they're able to pull this drama out of themselves. Mm-hmm. And no, incredible. Incredible. No, what I was going to say is, the people who are voting for these movies are mm. the people who don't look like us. Yeah. So they would never give us the opportunity to kind of showcase our abilities. You know, if they, if they do vote something, it's going to be a slave type of movie. And you know, the one that came out in like 2012 or something, like 12 stages or something. 12 years of slavery? Yeah, 12 years of like, of course, that's the movie that got us that, you know? Yeah. Like it's, <clears throat> they never give us the opportunity to side with the way that. Even Will Smith's Oscar is a slave movie, right? No, it was. Oh, no, that was no, it was, uh, yeah. Serena. That's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which was an incredible movie. Right? Yeah, yeah. incredible yeah. movie. He, he knocked his role out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Insanely good. No, but I think the black dollar, like people say that black dollar matters. They, people can go watch other different diverse movies, though. Mm-hmm. They keep on putting these movies that nobody have ever heard of in these positions. Yeah. But you can still go support the, the rest of the movies. Like I was told recently, Tubi has a big selection of black movies. Mm. That I've never heard of Tubi until a couple weeks ago when I was being told that. Mm-hmm. And there's, I th- for what was her name? We were talking about Thoracity Behance before. That movie, Hidden Figures. Yeah. That was three black women doing things. Uh, Taraji, Octavia, Octavia Spencer, and Janelle Monet were the three black women that were head of that movie and they're playing 
uh, NASA scientists. They're doing math off the top of their head yeah, to point. get the, the, I think, rocket to, I think, the moon or something like that. But they were incredible portrayals. Mm-hmm. But didn't that movie still talk about racist stuff, bro? Yeah. Like, it was like I feel like that's the only time. No, but can, yeah. if I get the opportunity. Yeah, that was, there was a racist underdog. Yeah. But it was them overcoming it and them being supported by the, the head scientists in the area saying that, yo, like, their mind is more important than anything else. And he, there was a whole dramatic thing about him knocking down a colored water. I, washroom I just think we like need that. to move away from that. I just recently watched a movie that was a black movie that wasn't perpetuating any of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was about this guy. It was called American Fiction. Oh, I- it, you watched it? Yeah, I did too. I, I thought it was one of the best well-done movies I've seen in the last like 10 years. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Like, it didn't stick on any like stereotypical. St- it actually did, but in a meta way. It was about this guy who was an aspiring writer. He was a black guy. And he only wrote like interesting, like very like a nuance filled writing. You know, he was kind of like almost a philosopher in a way, but his writing wasn't selling. And then he saw a contemporary writer of his who was played by Issa Rae, who wrote this very like black centric, like very like kind of like demeaning the black community in a sense, like very like old style like what we were just talking about right now and that book thrived and he saw that person do success and he did the exact same thing wrote like a very out there is a comedy this would be the comedy right Mm -hmm. so he wrote a very black centric out there outlandish book and it thrived too he did successful numbers and shit like that he just rolled the wave yeah so i I watched that movie and it was not specific like specific to any of the the those like struggles in the black community it was almost kind of making light of it in a sense you know Mm -hmm. so they are starting to kind of they're starting to shift away from that style of like, oh, the black people are at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. They're this the the most miserable, struggling community. You know, like they're they're starting to give us some some sort of a respect in the in the uh, in that aspect. Whether or not it was done right or not is, is subjective. But I thought that that was refreshing. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, I, I shout like Easter it, too. Huh? Pardon? You saw? I just shout out to Easter Ray. I don't know if you guys seen her show Insecure. Yeah, no, I haven't watched it, but I know it's great. It's, it's great. really good. It's yeah. really entertaining and mixed fun. Like it's kind of like a little meta in terms of like the way she discusses like things about like the black life, black everyday life and struggles. Mm-hmm. And she makes fun of it also, which I thought was really refreshing in like a new way. It's still mm-hmm. YouTube series, right? No, she started it out as like a online like yeah, web show. Yeah, and then yeah, it got turned like. HBO took it. Okay, gotcha. And ran oh, with she, it. she had an awkward uh, black girl on YouTube and yeah, other skit shows on YouTube, and then she became uh, what she is now. After mm-hmm. that, Vince Stables dropped a show too. That I've been wanting to watch yeah, it. I watched the first episode. Was it good? Really well done. Yeah, I don't doubt that. Like, it's like in that yeah. Atlanta type. Uh, I think Childish Gambino show Atlanta. Mm-hmm. It's like in that type of fuck then type of shooting. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's very well done. Did you guys watch Mr. and Mrs. Smith? The- uh, I'm on no, episode three. <laughs> you watch episode three? I'm on episode three. Is it good? I like it. Okay. I like it. It's um, it's different than the movie. Because in the movie, they they ha- obviously had a mission. They got buried. And then they found out that they have to kill each other. Mm-hmm. But in this movie, it's more like they're actually humans. Like they are human beings with actual problems. And they're going through it together. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Is it a remake though of the Angelina Jolie? Yeah, it's yeah. it's not a remake, yeah. but they're using that like an concept. adaptation. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's a concept. Oh, that's dope. Mm. I fuck with Childish Gambino, man. I think Love he's a too. fantastic actor. Yeah, he's well, good at everything he does. He is one of our goats. He's not a good stand-up comedian. Smith. 
No, I didn't like him. He's not a good stand-up no, comedian. No, no. He's actually I think, a horrible, I think he's funny, though. He's a I think horrible he's... stand-up comedian. A couple of jokes that make me laugh. He's not funny to me at all. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's yeah. what he needs. His rap that's lines it. make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when he's rapping, he's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah he's hilarious. When he's, a, he's a good singer, though. I yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, why, are you, why are you moving up your sleeves? Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, doing, I'm the host right now, you know? Oh, it, it's work. Look pretty for the camera. Go ahead. You know, I got to do Yeah, I got to do that. You got your own camera right there. The main's down. The main... The main. The main. That's what we're calling your hair, though. <laughs> this fucking lion ass lion. nigga. That's how I look at home. You, know that, right? you guys just don't see me looking at home like this. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, because my hair is not a woman. Sis. You're just like Tyler Perry, nigga. And now he labels me as a woman. Yo, you see? Uh, it's gonna be I'm starting to work, bigger, you see? I'm, I'm a supportive, though. Yeah, Go yeah. off, sis. All right, all right cool, cool. Anyways. This is gender neutral. Yeah, it is actually. Right? And girl. It's like, bro. Yo, watch your mouth. Like, no, 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 watch your mouth. <laughs> I know how you're looking at me. You're looking at me like I'm a. Fa- I'm a- Never mind. Back to me. <laughs> okay. You ready? Everybody ready? Let's go. Okay. I'm not sure if you guys seen, but there's this TikTok that's going viral recently about a woman who posted a story time on dating a broke dude. And I think the term broke is such a way to say it. And the whole community was kind of split. Like, a half of the community was like, do say what you want to say. And the other half is like, why are you airing out his, like his business like that? Right. Mm-hmm. And she goes about it saying how he's an amazing person. One of the best people she ever met. Great personality. Everything in the relationship is perfect. Right. The only problem is that he doesn't make as much as he, as he would want him to make. Right. So, and then after that, she kind of gave a little bit more context saying that he's actually a pretty well-off person, how he has his own home um he's paying his own bills like he's very self-efficient right it's just that when he every when all his bills are paid at the very end of the day he doesn't have that much take-home cash right but he's still an independent person just doesn't have that much money to spend on vacations or stuff for himself right so that actually made me think like how important is money in relationships for us like would you feel comfortable being in a relationship with somebody knowing that you don't have that much going on for you, you know, in terms of how much money you bring in. Like you financially? Feel, yeah, financially. Mm-hmm. Like how comfortable are you with how much that you make at the moment or in the future or even times in your past? Could you speak on how to navigate these type of conversations? Or would you even feel comfortable being in a relationship with somebody who you know you can't really support, you know? And I want to hear from both angles where it's like, can you do it like as a broke person or would you feel more comfortable later on when you're financially stable, you know? So we'd love to hear from you guys. I have a question. Is it the video where the girl's like uh, talking about the fact that she, he doesn't make as much money as her? Yeah. That's okay. The video. Yeah. You saw it? I think I did. <laughs> what is your opinion? <laughs> um, I guess it's just a matter of preference. <clears throat> Some girls like a guy who makes more money than them. Yeah. A lot of girls like a guy who makes more money than them. And some women just don't care for it and they don't see that as important as, you know, the fact that he brings, you know, other, other things into the relationship and he also is financially stable on his own. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it just depends on the person. It's a matter of opinion, but. Yeah. But you personally, would you feel comfortable being with somebody who you know you make as much as or they make less than you? Like, what do you think? Mm. And feel free to be listen. There's a safe space. Nobody's judging you. <laughs> what do you feel? Talk to the bro. <laughs> Go ahead. Personally, oh, yeah. I just want somebody who makes more money than me. Fair. Okay. As of right now, I'm a research assistant. I don't make that much money. <laughs> <laughs> right so 
I just prefer it that way. And also because I think that personally, for me, if I'm getting taken out on dates or whatever, I, I assume he would pay. Okay. And if he doesn't make as much money as me, it would be problematic. I mean, at the end of, at the same time, though, yeah. Sounds like an issue. Wait, it sounds like an issue. Like I have a follow up question. It's a preference. I have a follow up question. So let's say right now you're at a place in your life where let's say you make 100000 okay? Let's okay. say you make a comfortable amount. And now the person who you're go that you're trying to date makes half as much as you. Let's say he makes fifty. Would you feel comfortable being in a relationship with that guy, knowing that you make two times as much as he does? No, I would want somebody who lives. If I'm making that much money, I'd want somebody who can like live in the same lifestyle as me, mm-hmm. so like same tax bracket, I guess. So we can, you know, if I'm, for example, unable to work, or like I'm assuming like it's after marriage or whatever. If I'm yeah, yeah unable to work or whatever um giving birth or whatever i hope that he can support us financially you know what i mean yeah and yeah and it's just i think it's also a matter of lifestyle if somebody's making significantly less money than me they're they they can't they're they're not you know it's a very different life does that make sense yeah they for example i don't know how to explain it hmm i guess it's just yeah you you're afforded different um aspects of life so you think they wouldn't be able to, like, let's say if you were to be pregnant, you would not be able to work anymore. Yeah. So you don't think that person would be able to sustain the lifestyle that you had prior to when everything kind of, when you were in, when you were employed, basically, right? Yeah, basically. So you'd want to always remain at that level or if anything, above what you were comfortable at with, at one point, right? Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. How about you? Uh, to me, I, pr- I would prefer somebody who can live below their means, okay. right? I don't think materials or just items in general are going to bring long-term happiness anyway. So I feel like the most valuable thing in the relationship should be the peace that you get from that other person, right? Whether it's some kind of a financial, uh, like less of a burden financially, um, less of a burden emotionally, some kind of a gap filler, you know? Yeah. So in that sense, I if my girl was making more than me, I probably would have a conversation with her on like what I value and what she values. Like, if you want to go on all these trips all throughout the year, if you want to, you know, uh, live an expensive lifestyle, I'm probably not going to be rocking with that. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be chasing that for my own self, you know, so I'm not going to be reciproc. I'm not going to be reciprocating that same energy back to her. Okay. You know? So we're going to have a conversation. I'm ar- I already kind of consider myself a minimalist to some degree. So I don't really, I don't really see myself having like a, you know, uh, a need or an obsession with materialis- materialistic things in general. So um yeah that would that would definitely have to be a conversation with me uh with me and the person that i'm seeing at the time but if they're making significantly more than me and they are okay with that what i just described then we're rocking you feel less masculine if your wife made more than you are you kidding me bro you know how hard it is to make a dollar out here (laughs) bro what do you mean the bills are paid but do you think the world would see you differently yeah they probably would but you know to be honest with you at that point it's like the like i was describing right now the peace that i have built in my household alone that gravity will outweigh whatever other people's projections are like you know like you don't think any of that will seep in though not necessarily no interesting you got to have a thick strong relationship you know to if 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 that's the case then yeah if you're if your woman is somebody who's a high value person or a high earner then you gotta there's there's stuff that comes with that you know you gotta play the role too Mm -hmm. to some degree so it's just there's nuance to all these things man you got to just take every situation with what it is and kind of go for what's best for it, you know? Mm-hmm. But like I it's said, it, it starts for me, at least a conversation. You know, like, what are your values? 
I I wouldn't have a problem with someone making more than more than me. Yeah. I wouldn't like there's someone else in that video that was I wouldn't like someone taking me out on all these vacations and things like that and covering that. Was Nobody's just, taking you on vacation. No, but that's what the girl said. She said in the video, <laughs> oh, I was paying her. for all yeah, I was paying for all these vacations. Yeah. Yeah. And but if she's cool with it, why are you mad? I don't she's think she not was cool with it. it. <laughs> why did she say yeah? <laughs> She yeah, said this okay. became too much. That's what it was. So she started expecting him to kind of like... Like keep up at least. Yeah. Right? Catch up after some point. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have a problem with someone making more than me. Yeah. I still, I still have the old school mentality of I still want to support the household. Yeah. We can sp- talk about how much support, but her money is still majority going to be her money. Yeah. That's what I take it as. So I do need to... Like we both... From the standpoint of me making more than her, that's fine. But at least we both have to do something that makes us happy, mm-hmm. that get us gets us out of the house. Because I think that's a lot of some tension in a relationship. If someone's at home the whole day, and yeah. then you come home tired, and then there's that, oh, let's go do something. Or, oh, I was watching the kids all day. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. So both of us have to go please ourselves outside in uh, the world, then come home. If she's making more money than me, that's fine as well. But... It's just, like you said, peace of mind. As, as long as everybody's in their peace and we can talk about how we're living and how we're staying, sustaining our life, which I like that word she said, that's cool then. Whoever makes more, that's, that's fine. That's, that doesn't really matter. It's just living within our means mm-hmm. and within both of our means, not just all the, the higher earners' means. Interesting. Yeah. Because, you know, when I was younger, I used to think if love is there, that's enough. Nope. That's enough to make things work. And then you grow up and you start to learn that love is a component of a relationship. It's not the, it's not the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Even if you love that person and everything's perfect, there's, there's a possibility that's not going to work because there's other things that are not there, you know? I think it's one of the pillars, you know? Fi- finances is another pillar. Mm-hmm. I don't think, and we, li- we live in such an expensive side of the world, right? I don't think it's possible to be in a relationship and not make a certain amount of money. Even like to that point, the person who you're pursuing is also another important factor. Who would you say that dollar amount is today? It depends on who it is. Okay. I remember there was, there's people I talked to in the past where they, they were very much like you minimalistic. They don't care as long as there's a roof over their head, there's a food on their table, like a couple of nice things here and there, they're, they're cool. But then I remember I was talking to this person where like, he wanted the whole world in half, you know? And I'm not, I'm not somebody who's going to be like, you don't deserve that. You deserve that. If that's what you think your value is, I hope you find that in whatever avenue you, you see it, right? right? I'm not going to tell you what you do and do not deserve. Mm-hmm. However, I'm, I'll let you know what I can and cannot provide, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So to that point, I think very like for the average person, I think as long as you make a little under 90, you can live a comfortable life with somebody. 90 to 100. You can sustain somebody and you can live comfortable with them and you can take care of them, right? I think, yeah, I think, fam, you know how expensive rent is these days in Toronto? Toronto, yeah. What do you, if you're going to go out to somewhere like, (laughs) it's expensive. And the, like, do I think it was wrong for her to air him out like that? A hundred percent. I don't think it was right. Now people are looking for him. If you probably look at his comment section, all you're going to see is broke boy, broke boy, broke boy. Mm. But for her to have these opinions of him, I think it's very value. Uh, she, she's very verified with how she feels, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if he's not providing in the shape or form that you, you want it to look like, 
then I don't see how this is going to survive in the future. You know, mm-hmm. if that's not what you're looking for, instead of airing him out on TikTok for thousands of millions of people to see, why don't you cut your losses and find somebody who can support your lifestyle? Right. I feel like right? that's the more responsible thing That'd to do. That'd be yeah. the right thing to do. Yeah. Instead of airing him out. <laughs> like, know? how much do you actually like this guy if you're saying all this? But yeah. he, the, right? remember what I was saying is there's pillars to a relationship. Mm-hmm. Everything else was perfect except for the fact that how much that he made wasn't up to her standards. Would you, you say know? that respect is a pillar in a relationship? D- sure. 100%. Then that pillar was just broken. <laughs> But maybe they're they're very comfortable talking about that stuff. Maybe that's what well, I don't think he was, would be comfortable with her. You never know. If he is, then he truly <laughs> is just the let, let's go with the flow nigga, bro. He's like, Oh, you have money? All right, cool. Oh, right, you wanna put that TikTok? All right, cool. It's all good. <laughs> you're just a very <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Just as long as you're paying for the dinner tonight, <laughs> we're good. Go crazy. No, I have but a question I'm, for you. Go ahead. Do you ahead. think I'm not sure if I'm wording this right, but do you think there's um more um, what's it called stigma I don't know if that's the right word but I think do you think that there's a bigger issue in like I guess you could say internet discourse but also it like bleeds into the real world but do you think that there's an issue with the fact that people are constantly um, saying you I guess in the relationships that I guess instead of saying the woman needs to you know like humble her instead of saying that maybe it's more responsible for whoever both people to communicate that this is not what I want this is what I want yeah, this, what, what I'm comfortable with and if you cannot bring that to a relationship, whether it's the woman or the man, if you cannot bring that finances or whatever aspect of a relationship that you're saying, you should communicate that and cut your losses. 100%. 100, like, I, like I said earlier, I don't think it's your place to tell somebody what they deserve. Mm-hmm. Like if you told me, hey, I'm looking for somebody who's $200,000, I would say, hey, I'll be fine then. <laughs> but that's, that's not somebody who I, I am or that's not somebody who I vision myself to be anytime soon you know and i'm not here to waste your time i don't think anybody should tell me what i what i'm looking for is wrong and i don't think what somebody should tell her is what she's looking for is wrong you know you deserve what you deserve but to that point i think it's very good to have these conversations at the beginning so you don't get invested and then later it turns out that this wasn't the person who you wanted off of something small like that you know it's important to have these conversations and let people know of this these are my my flags, this is what I want. These are my milestones. And if you're not comfortable with these milestones, don't air me out on TikTok. Right. You know, because that's exactly what she did. And I'm sure if you go to his IG page, people are just calling him one word. Bro, boy. Yeah. Maybe they have a show coming. And Maybe they're advertising know. something, yeah. They could be. Yeah. If they, they did, that's genius marketing. Yeah. I'm, I'll give it to her. Mm-hmm. But if she's going to embarrass me like that, <laughs> I'm deactivating. Nah, everything. man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm deactivating my LinkedIn, fam. There's nowhere I'm deactivating. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is staying up. No one should deserve to see your resume. I might have to live on my earnings that year. I can live Submit my taxes differently. You know? Bro, the fact that he's a homeowner and he's being called broke. A homeowner. You know how few homeowners there are? You know how much you have to be approved by the bank to make a certain amount of money. Mm-hmm. Does she actually fuck with this nigga? <laughs> like, I don't yeah. think she really likes she him. Likes him. Like she likes him. Yeah. Like, if you're really just looking at what he's, what he's providing for you, how much do you fuck with him? Because I feel like that would be just glossed over if he was just the perfect nigga for her, you know? Mm-hmm. My issue is why bring it to the internet? It's not a conversation for the internet. Well, I, I assume she was thinking this wouldn't go viral. And she was just like, a couple of her friends would see I don't this know, and that, shit. That, that stuff is always trending. TikTok is a weird place, man. Like, really I is. see some shit that I, I'm like, well, how does this have 3 million views? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. I'm just like curious as to how this happened, you know? Mm-hmm. But Yeah, but to that point, to answer your question, you have to talk about these things. Yeah. I agree. You have yeah. to talk about them. And if you can't give what the other one wants, 
deuces. You got to cut, you know? Period. It could be that simple. I feel like people forget that. Yeah. You know? People like to complicate things. People really are so simple. afraid of confrontation. Is that weird. true? Yeah. They, I feel they, like, I feel like that's an ongoing thing in society. People don't want to confront other people. Remember how you, you always tell me, yo, you get to the point too fast. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like when I'm talking to somebody, I get to the point. Yeah, like, getting, I say, what is this? What is that? What is this? I remember yeah. you're like, yo, calm down. Yeah, <laughs> Why are you asking? Like, niggas going like. <laughs> Why are you asking? But I think it's important to have these conversations at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of, it's like an interview where you filter out these things, make sure that they're qualified for the role. Mm -hmm. And for me too, it's not like I'm getting interviewed, they're getting interviewed. It's not like, you know, one way. Mm -hmm. And then once those things are fine, yo, we can work on creating a corporate, you know, thing together. Yeah. I always talk about the interview example. Okay. Your executive just always comes. You're just point. always on point. You know? 100%. I'm an HR guy. I'm Come an HR on, man. <laughs> want to fire somebody? I will. I, I, I would love to fire somebody. That's crazy. Have you fired someone? No. no, but I've, you know, suggested. You've been in the rooms? I've suggested it. <laughs> Snitch. <laughs> <laughs> he threw a name down, slid over, and walked out. Like, I'm, yo, not, I'm not the main you. guy, but I'm the guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're the guy whispering in the ear for the guy that's speaking. Yeah, get, get it ready. Because if they're it. gone, I make more money. Damn. Any paperwork we're doing here, we have to watch him. Just know <laughs> if we're working in a corporate world together, watch out. Because <laughs> I'm not I'm looking at my message. We're in different fields. We're in different fields, man. You read it? Yeah. Let's actually, I want to talk about that book because okay. I read, like, not read, I heard, like, listened to, like, a Spotify audio summary of it. Yeah. And it's literally just about business, but people want to apply that to, like, real life relationships, and that's not how it works. What are your thoughts on that? I, so, oh, I think I something, say, it's always yeah. important to take with a grain of salt. Yeah. It's 48 powers that, you know, theoretically should help you come mm -hmm. like out of a lot of situations right but you know take it with a grain of salt if that works but a, a lot of that can be transferable to relationships it's not just something business related you know like, don't get me wrong an example so off the top of my head i remember there was one where it's like you have to be cutthroat you have to sometimes be able to know the difference between what's good for you what's bad for you and that could be transferable between... That's one of the laws? It, I, I forgot what the exact name was, but that was what the paragraph was talking about, right? Okay. And you have to be able to interpret what's right for you, what's wrong for you, and when's the right time to walk away. That could be transferable to anything. It doesn't have to be you just corporate. Like right. no, contracts, relationships. Regardless, at the end of the day, it's two people or two ag agreeing partners, knowing what's good for you and knowing how to walk away from it. You know? I just think that... I don't, I don't know much about the 48 Laws of Power. I've only just skimmed through a little bit too, but like... The, the aspects of which you are using manipulation for your own benefit, yeah. I don't agree with. Yeah, I think right? even in the name, I can assume a lot of manipulators would be drawn to it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good read. <laughs> I know. Not that I'm okay. You're you. saying a lot right now, man. Hey. I'm a good man. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Just the only thing I want you to remember. We're your friends, see some too, shit eh? like that. There's cameras I couldn't do. You have your own camera. We're friends, All I'm saying is, I'm a good man. Yeah. But you know, that book was a great read. That, you're a super villain if you take that book. You really are deep and smart, man. No, I don't think that's, no, why, that's saying, why I started with people in general. Yeah. Salt. You have to mm. think with the grain. A lot of that is just people don't have different personalities, and that book just goes on and like, stepping yeah. on people and like making sure you're the one that comes on on top. Like it's too much, and I don't, I, yeah. I don't know what that guy's credentials. But is. you have to be the one that comes off on top. No, what? but there's. Hold on a minute. Hey, Mussolini. You're not going to jump over that. Hey, Mussolini. <laughs> what are you talking about right now? You, like, am I, okay. What I mean by that is, 
You have to always look out for your own. Nigga, shut up. You don't think so? You gotta have you, a sense of community. You gotta love people, man. No, you do. You can't. Sh- you can't no. manipulate people for your gain. I never said manipulation. That's the whole I just idea. Said there are times where you have to have your own self interest at heart over other people. Like when? Like when you're applying to a job. Are you? There's six other people applying. Do you want to get it? Yeah. Or do you want to give it to the fifth man? You don't give you it to, don't if I'm if I'm the one hiring people, no, you're in the application process. Yeah, then I'm trying to succeed. Obviously. Okay, then that is an example but of if a I'm time in a where you put group, your best interest above others. We're in society, not in the corporate world. That is world. a societal. That's in the corporate world. That's a scenario in society. I'm just talking about amongst friends, family. Okay, let me give you another example. If yeah. you're if you're personal relationships, yeah. If you are pursuing somebody, mm-hmm. and let's say you like her a lot, yeah. At the same time, there's another person who's pursuing her, and he likes her a lot. Do you not want to be the winner? Pick you, him. But how are you going to do it? Are you going to dirty Mac to do it? No. If it's a choice, pick I him. Just, uh, pick him? If it's a choice, pick him. Why? But I ain't a choice. Why? I'm the answer. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Pick him, bro. I think he's Shut, look at the camera when you say I'm that again. I'm the answer, bro. If, you're, if, they're, if they're the question and I'm not the answer, go pick your answer. Okay. Sorry, With the AI braids on. Come on. <laughs> Let them know. Come on, man. Shout out to Lou Will. I think that's a great way to end. All right. Thanks for having us. Thanks for joining us. We are the Coffee Break Podcast, another episode. Thanks, Iman, for coming on to the podcast Thank with us. It was a pleasure, pleasure to have you, honestly. Um, we want to hear some feedback, honestly. We talked about some really introspective uh, topics here. We want to know what you guys think about it. So leave a comment, like, share, subscribe. We will see you next week. I'm your host, Slim. These are my bros. Yama. Love. Iman. Yes. Love. <laughs>